into the Post Bulletin Sports Podcast, Isaac Trotter and Jason Feldman. We're going over Zoom today. Jason, I see uh, all of your golf stuff in the back. He also has some hockey memorabilia. I have a beautiful gray blank wall. So we are, I'm, I'm not up to your standard quite yet uh, of decor. Well, you, got, you got to remember, I, uh, I'm about twice your age and I have a house with four kids. So this is the only space that is mine. I'm down in the bunker. Um, and so this is where all of my stuff gets put. That, that's fair. I haven't an, accumulated enough stuff yet, but we'll, I'll step my game up with, with some of that stuff. I think I'm going to have to get some Last Dance posters. Those are really cool. We need to at least get something on the wall behind you there. At least something. All right, here's the plan for today. This We don't really have like a one fit size fits all topic for today. We're just going to kind of touch on a lot of different things. We want to touch on uh, Kenyon Wanamingo and Triton leaving the HVL and heading to the Gopher Conference. Also have a big time commitment out of Byron for the second time in the last couple of years. Byron Girls Basketball produces a big time big and Sasha Vanderpool is heading to Wisconsin. Pretty easy decision for her with the amount of family history that she's had. We also on the Post Bulletin website, we have the best logo bracket that we're doing. I think the Awesome Blossoms from Blooming Prairie is probably a heavy favorite. A lot of people have said that, but I have some sneaky ones that I also like too. And then uh, we we just will see what else we get into. But but that's kind of the plan, and see what see what we go there from there. We're going to start here then. Uh, Kenyon Wanamingo and Triton leaving the HVL. Uh, now the HVL goes from eleven to nine. I don't think. I think my first big takeaway from this is this is good for both sides. I think the HVL continue can maybe. Maybe they're now in a position where they can go lure someone else to come join their conference, which is a really competitive conference. And then I think Kenyon Wanamingo and Triton get to be more competitive. What were your some of your takeaways from this move? That was my initial thought too, is that maybe you know, maybe these aren't the last dominoes to fall in in some conference reshuffling. Maybe they're just the first ones. Um, well actually, you know, Hayfield left the HVL what, two or three years ago. They found a really good fit in the Gopher Conference and I guess as Triton and Kenyon looked at that pretty closely, and you know they still play Hayfield in some non-conference games. Um, they probably looked at Hayfield's move and, and mm-hmm. see the, you know, not that Hayfield didn't have success before, but they're more competitive now, night in and night out. Um, and that trickles down to athletes in a school. When kids are seeing teams that get beat night in, night out by a lot, they don't want to, you know, that, that doesn't help them come out to play sports. If you can play in a competitive team every night, you know you're going to have a chance to win just about every time you go play, regardless of the sport. And that's going to make kids want to come play more. So, um, again, I feel like maybe Triton and Kenyon just sort of sat and looked for a couple of years and said, all right, let's see what Hayfield's doing. Looked at their own enrollments, um, what their class sizes are going to be in the future, and, you know, realized that that's probably a, a, a maybe a better fit for them than having to go up against the Byrons and Casamana intervals and everything. Yeah. I, yeah. That's the thing. And I thought that Randy Hawkinson, the activities director for Ken Wenamingo kind of summed it up best. It's just like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to come in above the middle, right. And size wise in the gopher conference, we're not going to be at the bottom. And in the HVL only Goodhue was smaller than us. And Goodhue's had a lot of success in the HVL, but they've also gotten really lucky with the amount of talent that they've had come through their system for the last few years. Now they have a situation where they can change. And actually Kenyon Winamingo and Triton aren't the only schools that are joining the gopher conference. Janesville, Waldorf, Pemberton will also be coming. And then Randolph is 
leaving the Southeast Conference and heading to the Gophers. So you got 12 teams now in the Gopher Conference. That's going to be a competitive league, and I, I like the move. I think the Gopher Conference is one of those underrated conferences around here. We saw what Blooming Prairie has done. Hayfield's going to be really good, and now you add a couple of these schools in there, you're looking at a really competitive small school conference that can do a lot of good things. It's still a good geographical fit for all those teams, and like you said, you know, if they end up going maybe the two division route in that conference, um, it's going to be really competitive. And and when you you know as you know when you get those competitive teams during the regular season, let's get a little more confidence, um, and that carries over into the postseason as well when they when they get matched back up against some of those schools. And yeah, I can't remember if it was Randy Hawkinson or or who it was said in, in the article that Kyle Lindbeck wrote, but you know, a lot of those teams in the HBL will still continue to play Triton and Kenyon and Hayfield and non-conference games. Um, but like you said too, I mean, this could open the door for different things to happen in the HBL. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, a school like Goodhue, you know, they were in the Three Rivers Conference for a long time. Winona Cotter used to be in the HBL. Maybe we see Goodhue move somewhere. I'm not saying they are or they will, or we don't have any inkling that that's what's going to happen. But, um, you know, again, as Cass and Manorville and Byron, as those communities continue to grow the schools get bigger and bigger, um, you know, to, to match up against a Canyon or a Triton or you mm-hmm. know, a Hayfield, it, it gets increasingly more difficult for those smaller schools who have been competitive in a lot of sports over the years. Kenyon has, has been a, a dominant wrestling team at times. Um, Triton has been right up there in football and other sports. Um, but overall, for the athletic programs at those places, this feels like a good move. Yeah. Is there any school that you look at that would be a really good fit in the HVL? Like you, that make them get up to 10? I thought about that, but you know, you have to have the, not, not the, you know, our, our area here between the HVL, the Three Rivers, the Southeast Conference, it's not that it's that spread out, but if you look at the Three Rivers Conference schools and the travel that they have to make, um, you know, the, the geographical alignment of those schools is a little bit more in line with one another. Um, you know, you think about like a, a Chatfield or um, somebody like that, um, they, they would be a logical fit, but they're also closer to Dovrio to play in and Millville to yeah. some of the other teams that they play in the Three Rivers Conference. So, um, again, in, you know, even a, a school that size, if you come into the HVL, you're going to have to go up against the Stewartvilles and Byrons and Cassins and you know, maybe who knows down the road here we could see um, those bigger schools in the HVL playing up. Um, you know, one, one thought that comes to mind too, now that I didn't think of right away, but I had written down here. You mentioned a team that might be a good fit for the HVL. Maybe a team like Red Wing. Yeah. Um, you know, they're one of the smaller schools in the Big Nine. Yep. It would uh, you know it would cut down on their travel, not having to go to Mankato um, a couple times a year or however many times they have to go in basketball and other sports. Um, but, you know, that could, they, they could maybe be a good fit for the HVL and, and fit in and be competitive with some of those bigger schools. Or maybe we see, like I said, the Cassins and the Byrons trying to move up. They already play up in football against a lot of the big nine schools. Um, I think Byron plays Century this year. Cass and Manorville played Jam last year. We'll play them again this year. Um, so, you know, that could be a, a solution to things too. Yeah. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see what um, the conference – alignments look like here in another five or ten years yeah 
Absolutely. All right, let's shift gears to this. Byron Sasha Vanderpool commits to Wisconsin. Pat Ruff had a really good story in the Post Bulletin. You can see that online right now about everything that happened there. I just, uh, I feel like Byron, something's in the water over there because they are just producing some six foot four girls that have had a lot of success. We both know what Ayoka Lee is doing down at Kansas State, one of the best freshmen in the Big 12 last year. She's going to have a heck of a career ahead of her. And they think Vanderpool will be next. She had a great career so far for Byron. Last year, she averaged 16 points to go along with nine rebounds and four block shots. And the thing that really intrigues you know college programs about her is that she shot 43% from three-point range. When you're 6'4 and you average four blocks a game and then you shoot over 40% from three, that's a recipe to play early. And Wisconsin needs all the help they can get. This feels like a really, really nice fit for Vanderpool and the Badgers. Yeah, you're right. The Badgers need that help. They've been down for... A little while now, and she seems like a player, like you said, that could step right in and um, you know play right off the bat. I know she plays on um, a really competitive team um, in AAU ball or, or in high school ball. I'm sorry, right. she plays AAU. Um, so yeah, she's got, uh, she's got that all around game that and, and the size that combination that those big time D one schools look for. She's a player that uh, could have a pretty nice career there if she continues to. Um, grow and uh, improve at the rate that she's going. Yeah, it feels like this was a really easy decision for Sasha just because her dad went to Wisconsin, her older sister's at Wisconsin, her grandparents, her great-grandparents, her aunt. It's special. I mean, that's if that's where your family's all going, then it makes a lot of sense for you to hop on board there. I think that, I mean, Kansas State had a really good sell. I think that, that that's an obviously a great sell with what Ayoka is doing. LSU comes in with an offer. Nebraska's in here with an offer. I thought it was interesting that Minnesota wasn't as big of a factor, but it, it felt like all of these schools could come in and push for and maybe impress her a little bit, but Wisconsin was probably going to be the choice all along. Sasha's one of those players, too, that was sort of, or at least for me, who was more of the casual basketball observer, um, she was one of those players that was kind of under the radar, too. And then all of a sudden, these offers start popping up um, as soon as she hit a couple schools' radar. Mm-hmm. And obviously, she had a great season this season for Byron, um, but she wasn't even on the – I went back and looked at our whole area team, and she wasn't even on the first team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of tells you just how under the radar she did fly. Um, you know, she's not going to brag about herself or anything. She kind of lets her play do her talking for her. But you're right, I think as soon as – that Wisconsin offer came through the rest of them were just, um, you know, she didn't give it much thought. She didn't have to give it much thought. Yeah. That's the thing that always like kind of so weird with college recruiting. It's like some of these people and some of these teams, and I get it, it's easy, but they just don't look at tape as much. They don't go out and find somebody. It feels like as soon as one school offers, they immediately go, Okay, since they offered, now I can offer, and then that just starts the whole. Like it just is the wrecking ball that goes downhill and just gets bigger and bigger. It's like a snowball flying downhill. It's all about momentum, and once you get one, then when you then you start to see all of these pop up. But I don't know. I just look at her game. I look at her frame. I look at her what she's doing in AAU, and I go, well, how how does that not how does that not you know translate to some earlier offers? You know. Yeah, it's almost like coaches are are. I don't want to say scared, but reluctant a little bit mm-hmm. to, to make that first offer, wondering if anybody else sees what they see in a player. And then you're right, once once another coach is, steps out and makes that offer, then 
the rest of the coaches follow suit and felt like it was really that way with Sasha where mm-hmm. she had all of these offers just flood in but as soon as the Wisconsin one hit she knew she didn't even have to look at the other ones really she yeah. just got her mind made up but um you know just what a fantastic player and just another great player not only come out of Byron but out of this part of the state mm-hmm. you look at some of the girls who've come out of here in recent years or will be with Melissa Usby going to North Carolina next year you've got Lily Meister at Jen Marshall who could be a Division one player, I think she's already been offered by Minnesota. Um, just, you know, so many talented players around here. Um, Anna Miller at Mayo, Macy Holtz in Plainview, Elgin Millville. So, yeah, the, the uh, amount of talent we have here in southeastern Minnesota is, is pretty remarkable. And it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So you're going to have Ioka Lee in Kansas State. You'll have Sasha Vanderpool at Wisconsin. And then Byron could have a third one here soon if a Johnny Lee continues his progression. That, I mean, how often would a town that size of Byron have three Division One players in a span of six years? That That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. And, uh, again, it just goes to show the, the competition in this area. You know, we, we look at the every year when the section tournaments roll around think, boy, this is almost sort of a mini-state tournament here mm-hmm. that we're watching. Um, the people not only around the state, but coaches around the country are starting to realize that, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's shift gears to uh, the best logo bracket that's on the Post Bolton Sports uh, you know, website right now. You can go on and vote. There's not much time left to vote, but I think there, we're going to have a couple more rounds here coming up soon. First round's about over. Um, but this was interesting. I think we learned here at the Post Bulletin that you guys like to vote on things, right? And so we put that together. We did the play of the year bracket, kind of an impromptu thing, just threw 32 plays together, and it was really successful. So now, picking up this this new thing or your favorite sports logo here, there's some really, really good matchups here in this first round. We're seeing some some a, a lot of in, interest in it right now. But, Jason, I think that I think it makes a lot of sense why – the Awesome Blossoms is probably a favorite. But there's some here that I really like. I mean, really like. Are you going Blooming Prairie all the way, or is there others that could give it a run for its money? Oh, I mean, if we were, you know, like John Malaya from the State High School League is doing the uh, the nickname bracket, and so if, if that was the case, I, I would be all aboard the Blooming Prairie uh, Awesome Blossoms bandwagon. Um, it's, it's about as unique of a nickname, I think, as you'll find anywhere. But when you talk about logos, I mean, there's so many great ones in our area. Um, you know, Blooming Prairies is right up there, don't get me wrong, but you know, they're going to have their hands full with, uh, with some of these other ones. Another um, one that I like that actually Blooming Prairie is a part of is the Westfield Razorbacks wrestling team. Um, they've got a pretty cool, uh, mean-looking hog. Um, Sharp horns. Well, so I don't know. What are some of your favorites? No, uh, you stole mine. West, the Razorbacks is probably my favorite pick there. I think Schaefer Academy, the Lions, the one that one's kind of interesting. Um, Owatonna with take on the lion. It is. It is very, very long-haired lion, right? You know what I mean. Um, I think the the Wildcats, the Goodhue Wildcats, one is really interesting too. Couple others here that kind of stick out. I mean, the Spring Grove Lions is pretty similar. Um, the Cougars from Zamproda Mazeppa, I, I I like that. It's just very clean. I'm a I'm a sucker for like navy and white. Like I that maybe I like that a little bit more. Those are some of the few that kind of stick out. And I think we have five or six eagles in the bracket, so yeah. uh, we'll see how those ones do. Um, looking just at those, I like the Dover Yoda one, and we yep. gave it a first round buy. Um, so we should explain maybe a little bit about how we did this. We went through and um, so we have forty eight logos in the bracket 
Um, we went through, and so we have four 12-team brackets. Um, the top four seeds in each bracket we seeded, and the rest we put in just through a random draw. So there was no five through 12 seeds. It was just um, you know picking the ones that we thought were strongest and then uh, filling in the bracket just randomly after that. But So uh, if we did not give your team a seed, go ahead and prove us wrong. Get your community out and vote. I th- uh, like you said, I think we'll have a, uh, what five rounds of voting? Yeah, yeah. Six rounds of voting. I um, think first. Oh, go ahead. First round is done now. Okay. Probably. Okay. You know one that was underrated that I forgot to say: the Lanesboro Burrows. That's really solid. I've never heard of a burrow. So maybe they get that for unique. Yeah, I mean they've got a great logo, right? So yeah, you can't uh, you can't argue with the burrows. Yeah. So I'm interested to I, I'm interested to see what the results are. Versus, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Maybe we'll have a Burroughs versus Blossoms matchup at some point. Down that, the road. that would be funny. That would be really funny. Also, Lords is pretty solid too. The Eagles there—that's really solid. And Wabasha Kellogg with the Falcons. That's Wabasha Kellogg with the Falcons. That's a really cool one too. They have the W and the K looking like wings. That's that's pretty impressive, honestly. Yeah, and uh, I would argue that Tritons is there too with the Cobra. They've got a scary looking Cobra. That's intimidating. You want to have an intimidating logo? They've got one. I think the most intimidating, though, is Westfields. I mean, you have a jacked hog with extremely large nose and extremely sharp talons. That That's and probably muscles. number one. And muscles. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't get in that thing's way, that's for sure. No, that's it. All right, I think we kind of covered everything that we wanted to talk about other than one more thing. I totally lied about that. Um, baseball coming back to Rochester. We talked a little bit about what the honkers want to do. I thought that their press they released it a little press release yesterday. The vibe that I got from that press release, and it's hard sometimes to read, but you read some of the comments from the co-owners, from the general manager, they're a little frustrated with everything that's going on right now. They're not able to practice. They're not really able to get guys ready to roll. It's been tough to kind of sell to guys that, hey, come join us because we're going to play. And while they're doing that, teams in North Dakota are getting ready to play. June 15th has been already out there as a date that they want to play at. Wisconsin teams are able to start signing people and get things rolling. And meanwhile, the honkers are kind of stuck waiting on their hands, sitting on their hands a little bit. They're frustrated. They're ready to play. They think that baseball can be played at Mayo Field safely. And honestly, I think they're right. You know, I think I think it can be played safely. And if if they get the thumbs up, they'll have players here ready to play right away. I agree. And I think the Northwoods League as a whole probably is very frustrated just by you know, the lack of the ability to get ready right now for all the teams in Minnesota with, you know, here, Duluth, Wilmer, St. Cloud, Mankato. Um, you know, it's a big base for the Northwoods League, and those teams in North Dakota, um, or the one team in North Dakota now, Bismarck, is kind of stuck out there on its own. So um, the league just issued a press release today, Wednesday, an interesting release this morning, um, that three teams are going to be located in Bismarck. They're going to start play on June 15th. Bismarck will have its own team, the Larks. They'll also have a team. All of the players from the Thunder Bay Border Cats are going to go to Bismarck and form another team because the Border Cats have essentially said we're not going to be able to play this season because of the travel restrictions with the, the border. Um, and then the coaches in Bismarck have put together yet another team from players that they had looked at, tried to sign players from other leagues that may not get going, such as the Cape Cod League, things like that. So they're going to have three teams in Bismarck. And those teams are going to play, I think, what did I see, a 48-game schedule each. So basically playing against each other all summer unless things open up. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Northwoods League tries to get that going. Teams in Wisconsin and Michigan, too. Um, 
it's just uh yeah i agree with you though i think it, i don't want to call it a shame but i it just it, it's uh frustrating to sit and know that um the honkers could put on games in a safe manner i think right now and and they're just sort of sitting there twiddling their thumbs and, and waiting for somebody to tell them it's okay. Yeah, and I also wonder about the economic impact on, you know, missing a season or not having a season, what that could have on the Honkers. And, I mean, a Rochester team without the Honkers or without a baseball there would be really, really weird. Really, really weird. Yeah, yeah you not only lose your season ticket holders, but you're losing advertising revenue, um, sponsorships, all of those things that go along with running a sports franchise. So... I'm sure it's it's beyond frustrating, probably for the owners and the players and everybody else. Um, you know, we understand why it's happening, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, it feels like the, the steps to to come back and do this thing safely are not being taken very quickly. And I wonder if the cry for help, maybe, or that public outcry of "Hey, this is what we think we can do." I wonder if that could force someone's hands. Maybe not force their hands, but maybe they'll have them reconsider it, so they could open it up. And I know it's not just the honkers that want to play. There's, you know, there's teams that are everywhere across Minnesota that want to play. Legion teams want to play. There's high school teams that would like to play a couple game or two, maybe a senior night in July with social distancing in order. There's a lot of different options that people want to do, and they can't. And yeah, I, and amateur baseball teams, I'm sure too, would yeah. love to get up and running. And I guess the thing you run into, especially with the Northwoods League, is, you know, what's your what's your drop dead date? How long can you wait? say either yes we're going to get this thing going or no we're not going to get it going at all because you not only have teams that need to generate schedules get tickets to fans um, you know, get sponsorships hire stadium workers um, but you also have players who are all in college and at some point they have to get back to their college and resume their training with that team and uh, you wonder how the college coaches are going to react to it too if you know, the kids are sitting around all summer and all of a sudden only come here to play Mm-hmm. You know, thirty game season or something. And, yeah. you know, it, it feels like just sooner than later that we're going to hit that that drop dead date. And I, I don't know what it is, but yeah. uh, it feels like it's coming. Well, well, it, I mean, let's just think of the timeline out here. School starts. I mean, with all of these schools that are moving up, Notre Dame's moved up. We're seeing a lot of other schools move up, and once these big schools do it, I think you're going to follow it. Where a lot of the teams will start August 10th, or a lot of the schools will start August 10th, and then they'll be done right before Thanksgiving. That'll be the semester, right? Why is that? To get in football games, right? It makes a lot of sense. We're not dumb. We all understand how this works. But so if August 10th is the date there, and you know we're we're sitting here in late May. And on June 1st and 3rd, you know, we're starting to see a lot of these programs open it up for voluntary um, voluntary workouts. So all of these student athletes can come back. You're going to need to give these kids about two weeks of time to get back onto campus after the honker season is done. So by about July 28th, they need to be done if they're expecting classes to begin on August 10th. And, you know, and baseball is not coming back anytime soon or, you know, it doesn't feel like it's going to get the heads up anytime soon. And they'd probably need a week or two to get ready. So we're talking a six week season from maybe like June 10th to July 28th. That that is really tight. And that's a lot of games and a lot of stress on arms and a lot of miles on these guys in a short amount of time. And that that that's where it goes. Ooh, I, I don't know if this is going to work. That's what struck me or felt a bit off about the Northwoods League plan in Bismarck to me. Well, number one, reading what the general manager up in Bismarck said was that they wanted to start the season on June 15th with it ending with a best-of-three postseason on September 4th. 
just can't imagine that working or what kind of rosters you're going to have if you try to take a summer baseball season into September. It doesn't seem like it's going to work. No, no. And, and I hate to be pessimistic about it because I really want baseball to come back. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I genuinely do. I'm, I'm all aboard on that train. I hope baseball comes back. It just it feels like the timing doesn't make sense and maybe the, maybe the, you know, the foresight on how we could have put this together a different way. It felt like, you know, some of these general managers and some of these owners were kind of left hanging out to dry without much communication with, you know, the states or they're, they're you know, they're kind of just waiting on everybody else and they, they can't really plan until they get a thumbs up from someone else. Yeah, and that probably shouldn't sound critical either. I mean, we should no. applaud these guys for at least trying to get some kind of a season in. You know, get some players some games in the summertime really that's what it comes down to from a player's standpoint is they just want to play they want to you know a lot of these guys who play in the northwoods league that we see come in are guys who aren't everyday starters for their college teams they want to come and they want to get some games in and you know, so applaud the uh, the owners up in bismarck in the league from that standpoint of giving these guys a chance to play it just mm-hmm. feels like a, a 48 game season in such a, a compacted time frame like that is uh like you said, could cause some arm problems, could could see injury problems. I don't know, but at least they're trying. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be really nice to have baseball back in Rochester because I think we need something to do a little bit this summer. If if all the fairs get canceled, if, if we're not having fireworks on July 4th, it'd be nice to, if we could safely watch baseball, that'd be, that'd be really nice to feel a little normal again. It would, yeah, and it sure feels like, you know, like we've already said, they can do it in a safe manner if you, you know, limit the number of people you let into the park. Um, I don't know, testing players probably would have to be part of it, but, you know, it feels like there are steps that could be taken that would be mm-hmm. satisfactory for players, for fans, for owners. So And utilizing Mayo Clinic. Yeah, and utilizing Mayo Clinic because you have that resource there. All right, good stuff today. Um, last thing before we get out of here, stuff that we have coming up on the website, it's it's packed. I mean, there might not be sports, but there are a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, I'm really proud of, of the work that we've done, especially with the sports staff. I mean, you're talking about a sports staff with four guys, or, you know, re- yeah, four of us, no sports at all, and there's still some really good stuff up there. If you want to read about, you know, a book detailing Hayfield's dream season, Guy Limbeck has that up there. Uh, really good stuff on, you know, hockey, on what if that's going to happen, a local notebook about uh, Patrick Kennedy from Cass and Manorville winning and yet another award, the first of many that he'll have. Um, just a lot of stuff on the site and a lot more coming up. Jason, what do you got in the works for this week? Well, I wanted to throw a, a mention out to um, Pat Ruff has a great story that'll be in Thursday's print edition. It'll be online early Thursday morning about Ryland Lane, a senior who was graduating from Mayo High School, um, was a great athlete as a youth athlete probably would have been a star player on Mayo's football team, but he literally injuries ruined his career, completely derailed him, knee injury after knee injury after knee injury. I don't think he ever actually got to play a varsity game. Uh, He tried last fall to come out and play his senior season um, after going through at least one ACL surgery and and some other procedures, and he said after one practice, his knees just felt like they were on fire. He couldn't go. He sat in the parking lot and cried. Um, Just a kind of a gut-wrenching story, a lot of what-ifs for this young man who um, actually has a really great attitude about it. He stayed around the football team as sort of a manager, almost an assistant coach of sorts. So uh, Pat has that story that'll be in Thursday's paper. Um, Sticking with the Mayo football theme, I caught up with Lance Dozier, who played for the Spartans. He graduated in 2011. 
Um, he is now a sports information director for the men's basketball program at Virginia Tech. Um, he, at one point, he held the career record for catches uh, for receptions by a male football player, um, but he's had an interesting path when he played football and baseball at Bethel, um, got a master's degree at Western Kentucky, and now is at Virginia Tech, kind of um, taking another step toward his dream of hopefully at, at some point becoming a athletic director at a big-time college. So awesome. we caught up with him this week, and we'll have that online either Friday or Saturday. Yep, and I got a story on Stan Bedwell, the RCTC offensive coordinator. We just talked about, you know, this is a guy who's coaching and playing at the same time, and he's a Hall of Famer over in Europe, and we're just talking a lot about football there. So that'll be done today, probably online sometime either today or or tomorrow. And and uh, I, I was excited with how that one turned out just because he has a really, really cool story. I can't imagine trying to coach and recruit and play and fly all over the place, but he makes it work. Asleep. Yeah, no, he does not sleep at all. All right, we're going to round thing or close things out here on the Post Bulletin Sports Podcast. Thanks again so much for listening. If there's anything that you want added to the podcast, any ideas that you think we should do, just shoot me an email at itrotter at postbulletin.com. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Thank you.